cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Staxon Jackson. I'm Tom Howe. Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 29.50. NASDAQ Futures up 92. We were kind of here yesterday, maybe even higher. We had a huge reversal to the downside, and we're trying it again today. I don't know if it's a, well, by the dippers are doing their thing here or what the story is, but... Uh, we're, we're trying to uh, redo yesterday like it didn't happen. Anyway, that's, we finished down almost exactly where we are now after being up all. There was a huge turn on the Dow being up like 400 or something to down 2, 215. It was a massive move. This morning, individual stocks moving. IBM came out with clunky earnings. They're down 8 bucks, 130.05. It's a big move. I'm trying to do an earnings play in there. I didn't get it. I'm happy I didn't. We have Mr. Brendan. Hi, here this morning, Chief. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good, good. I thought that you might be out uh, doing donuts in the middle of the street a few blocks away from you. Isn't that the, the new donut shop? Um, I don't know. The one I know the one around the corner isn't open early enough for us to get coffee there anymore. We have yet to replace no, it. No, no. I, I was referring to the cars in the streets. It was an, uh, an oh. incident that's been on the news um, about cars doing donuts at uh, uh, Clinton and Monroe. Did you see that? No, they're right by us. I know. That's why I thought you might have been out there part of the activity. Well, there's no... We had a, a whole group of people, uh, and their car was spinning around in circles in the middle of the intersection. Uh, does the term anarchy come to mind on the roads? And <laughs> are, are we ever going to come to grips with any of this stuff, Brennan? I mean, I know you're not a... I didn't used to be, but I... If, if something doesn't happen fast, I don't know I don't know how you, I don't know how you bring it back. I mean, I... This morning, just on, on driving in, I mean, some guy went by me like 80 miles an hour. We're in the 45 zone, and I mean, it's uh, it doesn't surprise me why people are getting killed on the roads and stuff. I mean, you never see. It. I mean, have we totally abdicated on everything? It sure seems like. I mean, we're it, we're in a really bad and weird spot right now in the city for um, for a lot of activities. It really is getting dangerous, and it's getting dangerous in parts that never had it before, um, and it, and that's really scary. I don't know if there doesn't seem to be any, our, our, our leadership, I almost don't even want to say that. And it's not, it's not just them, because it's happening all over the place, but I don't, I don't see how you have a, a uh, you know, a whole expressway system that is unpatrolled. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the highway system, the, the interstate system, is supposed to be patrolled by the state police, not mm-hmm. by the city police. I know, but they don't do it. Well, yeah, there's, I think there's part, I mean, problem issue, but yes, they're not doing it. I agree with you. But I, uh, one of my friends is, uh, supposedly a buddy with one of the state police guys, and they, and they apportion, like, one car per expressway. Mm-hmm. And then when there's an accident or, or everybody's going to pick up brass, 50 guys show up. Yeah. I don't know where, where they keep all of them when they, because you're right. I mean, I've seen the two and after there's been a shooting on an expressway, they shut it down, and there's a, a lot of people, both state and police and Chicago police, around looking for the bullet casings and things like that. But where are they? You're right. Where, where are they during the rest of the time? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I told you my story about the Ryan was shut down the express lanes the one day. They had the huge crash, and of course, me being the dopo that I am, but 
I had a window open, so I wasn't listening to the radio. And of course, the I was heading south. Not for some reason, I was taking Orion uh, out to Audrey's. I think I was stopping at a store in the meantime, and it's in the Stevenson. So I get to 31st Street, and all of a sudden, it just stopped. And I'm going, "Well, this is just swell." And they kept. Then they kept saying, "The express lanes are a lot better." Well, they're not going anywhere either, right? So finally, inch down, inch down. There was a big crack up right about where the where the uh, the merge was. Was it, was it like 71st Street or whatever when the mm-hmm. express and yep. local become? Well, they've got that all cut off. The, the whole right two lanes. There was some semi must have hit somebody. Well, the semi is still sitting there on the shoulder. They've got like six squad cars talking to each other. You know, parked the other way so they don't have to get out of the car to talk. You know that, that routine, <laughs> like we used to do on the south side. And mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the expressway. They've got a, a dumpster like you'd have in the back of your house. Two guys with a broom and one guy with a shovel, and they're sweeping the expressway. Two guys with a broom and a shovel. And, and, and the thing is just jammed all the way to downtown. I'm thinking, where did they get the dumpster? Where's the truck going to... I didn't see the truck that's going to take the dumpster away. And there's these two goofballs sweeping the expressway. Two guys. I'm like, you got to <laughs> be kidding me. This <laughs> is like at 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. I, you know, I... I can't even really can't really go there. Anyway, Brendan, there's a, all kinds of uh, the uh, UK lugs. Hottest day on record with temperature hitting 102.4 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm going to give you and Eliani a little quiz. We have two states in the in the nation that have never recorded a, a temperature over 104 degrees. Can you name them? Um, Alaska would be one. Yes. Ding ding. And um, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> South Dakota, says Eliani. <laughs> I say Hawaii. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, really? Yep. Hmm. Alaska and Hawaii, but I don't. I don't think most of Britain uh, people have air conditioning, do they? They don't. Most of Europe doesn't have air conditioning. And that is true. <laughs> I remember when I, uh, well, I've only been to London once, but I don't remember any air conditioning over there. And I know that in Ireland, where most of my relatives are, they they were shocked that we have air conditioning over here because. The temperature never gets that high. Uh, I mean, 75, 80 degrees over there is considered a, a broiling, sweltering day. So I can only imagine what they're going through right now with a 100-degree temperature. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, did you watch the, the Open? Uh, the open no, I did not. Um, do you think for the amount of money they charge to play that course, they could sprinkle it once in a while? <laughs> Just saying. Uh, all right, so we got, we have, uh, we got, talk about Southside. What do you want to talk about? Crypto miners? Moved over $300 million of Bitcoin in one day. Some are dropping out altogether. We got that going on for us. I think the biggest news here, and one of the people who I do some business with, I just got back from Europe, but I don't really know how to, to handicap it here. Uh, is this whole, is Russia going to turn this pipeline back on? There's, you know, there. that's, that's something that, um, that they can use to their advantage to, uh, to try to get European capitulation in the Ukraine war. Well, I, I know I've been getting uh, some criticism from some of my my gang here uh, with some of the stuff I'm I'm pointing out, especially those that are pro administration, um, and I, I this whole this whole thing, the Germany is now getting way less gas from Russia than they were getting before, um, and well, to, to back up on the story here, the one of the one of the pipelines goes under the Baltic, right? It's the one, and uh, it normally goes out. I don't know if it's every year or about this time for maintenance, correct? 
but now this time uh-huh. there's all kinds of uh, you know politics regarding the maintenance, and uh, <coughs> so they uh, you know they, qu- <coughs> so they turn it off and the question is are they going to turn it back on? So now the majority state-owned. I'm reading from this article. I'll give the author since I'm going to read from the poor guy's stuff. Well, actually, it's a lady. So Sylvia Amaro um, writes this article with CNBC. Russia nears gas shutdown in Europe uh, as Germany rejects claims it can't fulfill contracts. Uh, majority state-owned gas prime, now that's Russia, right? Said mm-hmm. Monday that due to unforeseen circumstances, is not in a position to comply with gas contracts in Europe. Germany's energy firm Uniper confirmed to CNBC that Gazprom had claimed force majeure on its supplies. We consider this as unjustified and formally rejected the force majeure claim, blah, blah, blah. But the interesting part, I think, in you, as we have uh, had our president and all around him say how, how great these uh, all the stuff is they're doing to Russia, the, the Russia's got as much gas revenue now as they did before, pumping away less gas. The, these... these Whatever we're doing to Russia, it really hasn't been very well thought out, Brendan. It's almost everything the exact well, opposite effect. I think there's a question between whether it's well thought out or whether it's working effectively and what the Russians are adapting. And you know, it seems like uh, the Russians are adapting in a way that the sanctions aren't as meaningful as we thought they were going to be, or the isolation is not as meaningful as they thought as we thought it was going to be. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not sure how well it's thought out or not. But it, uh, we didn't we go didn't we go down this road before? When we started to use oil, and again, this is in keeping kind of with my theme here, that in, until we're willing to put a big shot in jail and slap the cuffs on him in the middle of the street like we do everybody else, uh, I think we got a real problem, Brendan. I mean, I think, I and mean, you remember, I mean, I can always count on Brendan even if I don't prep him with this stuff to remember what I'm talking about. You remember the episode with uh, your, your buddy Saddam Hussein? It wasn't exactly your yeah. buddy. Where we decided that uh, he, we were gonna, we weren't, we weren't letting him uh, export any oil, right, for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, right. and then the story was, and I think then oil. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was way memory. You want to get a mem- better memory than me? I'm gonna say oil was about thirty bucks a barrel at the time. Am I about right? Uh, that's about what I remember. Yeah. So, for those that don't remember this. It's a little sketchy, but I got the major pieces together. The story was that um, he was not supposed to export any oil because we're pissed at him, right? Well, we eventually invaded and killed him, so <laughs> yeah, we were pissed at him. Um, so he says, "Well, you know," he makes this big plea. Did he go to the United Nations? He went somewhere. He made this big plea about how, for humanitarian reasons, they can't even buy bandages, they can't buy drugs, they can't buy blah blah blah, right? So we said, "Okay, you can now." Uh, <clears throat> export X number of oil, <clears throat> X number of barrels per day, but but you had to take a discount. You had to, you could only charge twelve bucks, right? Now, okay, you and I that have been in an economics class once or twice. Now, the backdrop of this is, if he did sell it for twelve bucks, whether or not that should go to, you know, some place that really needs the oil at a discount or whatever, but none of that was ever flushed out. It was just this big whoever was president at the time had the big big blowhard about how he's going to these guys. He can only get twelve bucks, and we're still we're still screwing him and blah blah blah. Well, it turns out, <coughs> of course, maybe not our, our oil companies, although I wouldn't pull them harmless. But it was what's the French one? Total. Is that, uh, is that the was that the French place? A French oil company. I don't remember that. Well, anyway, but there was a bottom line is 
Once the twelve dollar oil got in the system, duh, it was thirty dollar oil, right? Total. Thank you. Yep. It's it's thirty dollar oil, and unless you're willing to put a chemist on every boat that comes in or every ship containing oil, and if the person has, uh, you know, oil from that region, which a chemist could tell you, unless you're willing to put the guy in jail and hang him the next day, basically you, you it gets into the system. Well, it turns out the people that will double deal on the oil. And making at least part of the eighteen dollar difference were his, were his kids, right? So I'm sons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they were getting like what the first six bucks? Because obviously, economics being what it is, somewhere or another, that eighteen dollars is going to go into somebody's pocket. Because by the time it got yep, to the refrain, it is, and it does. And but no, that was why don't our people? Why why do we keep electing? And I'm not, you know, I don't know if it's the electing, it's the appointing, whatever it is. Everybody who gets there seems to be somebody's kid or somebody, whatever the hell it is. Do we have just stupid people there? Does anybody honestly think that that oil was ever going to be discounted along the way? Or, or maybe I used to think that we were just dumb. Now I'm thinking that they knew exactly what they were doing, Brandon, and and the people immediately, the right people, got the other eighteen bucks, except for sometimes kids who got the first chunk. I mean, I know I'm getting. Well, uh, I, you know, I I still think that there's a lot of cynicism in your comments. I'm not, you know, you're right that the eighteen dollars is going someplace. And it seems like there's a small cast of characters who routinely are uh, the demographics that get the, the money. But as to the question about whether people are, are dumb or stupid or manipulative, you know, I think that's part of what we see universally when we have different sides on a problem and there's an unwillingness to compromise or an unwillingness to see the other side's point of view and agree that something bad has to happen in order to, uh, to really make effective legislation. When you're talking about legislation, uh, then, you know, if everybody knows that there's a crooked system in place, whether they're complicit in it or just ignoring it, um, that's where problems come in. If you're, if you're trying to, to be so much of a compromiser that you think things are going to work out in an ideal world, you're, not, you're being blind to the fact of how the world really works. And well, it also makes bad legislation. But I, but I ask myself the question sometime, and I ask other people, Brennan, would you rather have somebody... Who knows that people are stealing in there and just lets it happen or is, is so dumb he doesn't realize that there are people stealing in there and doesn't even know what's happening. I don't, I don't know which is worse. Well, they're, they're both bad. I agree that they're both bad. I would rather have somebody who is aware of the fact that's going on and uh, is willing to allow a, a portion, a certain amount. Now, where you draw that line is another issue, but at least be aware so that you're not being uh, taken, you're not being the Jamoke who's being taken for a ride, but uh, that, that you're aware of what's going on and you're trying to reach some kind of a punitive, in this case, like a punitive measurement, um, knowing that it's not going to work fully. How do, you, how do you draw the line? I'll ask the question. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm naive enough to think that if the Brendan Chief PT boat manufacturer in World War Two. I'm going to say that probably we had a we did a there's some kind of a scam going on a little bit. It's not is is quite as an open open auction as maybe we ought to being or an open bidding. I think if if somehow or another it was five percent or ten percent higher than a than a perfect auction would be, then you and I are going to spend our five or ten ten percent extra in in the, in, the, in, in Buffalo, New York, or wherever the hell they were making the darn things and 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 use it in the bars there and and everything else. You know what, Brenda? It's not something I chase, but mm-hmm. it, but it's but you know I don't I don't know where the line is now. It appears now that there is no line. As much as you can get, you can get. Yeah, 
plus the ramifications on the general public. I mean, you, you're talking about the, the impact on the Russian economy here with the pipeline, that they're, they're charging more for oil, even though there's oil reduction. They're still making as much money for less, you know, in a... And that's that's a problem because the sanctions that were being imposed are not having the effect for things that are completely unrelated to to what the impact is. Um, where you draw the line, how you draw the line, is really difficult because uh, in order to be able to, to set the line, both sides have to agree what the issues are. You know, talking about what what are the facts of the situation, and if people are willing to admit, or at at least admit publicly that the other side has a point, that uh, then things go too far and things get buried or hidden. And then you come back later on and you say, well, look, we tried it your way. We gave them, we put in the sanctions, and they're not working. Well, the reason they're not working is because you have stacked the deck against the sanctions working and how how they were going to be imposed. Well, how do you, you, the the trip to Saudi Arabia, and I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about what was talked about over there to, to really criticize, but I would say that the the, the front page idea that you're going to go there to beg them to produce more oil. I mean, I, did, I got a tweet yesterday from somebody. You know, you know, you know what this stuff is, but the one of the biggest buyers now, according to this this person, was Saudi Arabia is buying the Russian oil at a discount and selling their oil at a premium to other people. That mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, and how, how do you <clears throat> how do you show up and, and deal with these people? I mean, I, I mean, I know that even a, a country you don't like. You're probably going to have trade with them, okay? If it's if it's good for both sides, but there, you also have to. There has to be some sort of a. I don't know what it is, Brandon. Where we we go to the fence, <clears throat> we don't talk to each other, but I give you milk and you give me corn or something. I mean, we know that has to happen, but why did why did this guy go to Saudi Arabia? I mean, what, what, what did we accomplish by that? In person diplomacy, as opposed to uh, being on a telephone. Uh, yeah, I, I think. There's, there's a conundrum here, and that is, uh, as I see it, that you know Saudi Arabia is horrific in human rights. They're they're bad at how they treat women. They're implicated in the Khashoggi, in fact, accused of murdering Khashoggi, and should have been on a pariah list uh, of dealing with. However, they're in an economic power position because of uh, because of the oil supplies that they control and have around the world. So at some point. How do you, I mean, the, the other alternative, for example, would have been more solar power, more electrical power in the United States, more nuclear power, so that we're not as heavily dependent upon Saudi Arabian and OPEC oil. That still takes a lot of time. The investment for that, we're way past whether that is a viable option right now, given the circumstances where we are right now with inflation, with gas prices, et cetera. So at, at some point, do you look at this as, uh, which, which has more, uh, a higher priority, holding them accountable for human rights and for the murder of Kosoji, or the fact that Americans are clamoring for lower fuel prices and uh, immediate energy relief. And so sometimes the compromise, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we're going to cut off any contact with Saudi Arabia and stop the flow of oil into our country from foreign, from foreign nations, at the same time saying um, we have to bear higher prices for an indeterminate amount of time, whether the prices are double or triple what they were before, without any uh, alternative fuel supply. So, you know, it, at some point, you, you've got to say the practical decision is to do this or to do that, one or the other. But you can't, you know, you, you can't keep hammering away if everything the person does is wrong 
only because it's something you can point out that they're doing wrong. Um, I'm with you on that. I and, and believe me, I don't. I just I, I'm not I'm not just pointing fingers at the uh, uh, the, the Biden group because I think, I think the thing all started with the Trump situation when they all got down to twenty eight dollars a barrel, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, but I mean, I, the the total lack of any sort of an energy policy, we almost got to the point where we were I won't say independent because we still were in, in, importing some. We almost got to the point where we were where we were sort of on our own and now we have people we have we have people exporting from here to Europe because Europe the price went there even higher so now we're we've joined this quote world market where we, we didn't used to be I mean how many people here even know that we, we used to ban exports and all of a sudden now we mm-hmm. don't so I mean a lot of a lot of the stuff that we're making here we're probably closer to independence than the gas prices at the pump would lead you to believe if we were to ban exports again, but now nobody wants to do that. But I'm saying I'm not saying that's a good idea, Brendan. I'm just saying it's just not coordinated. I I agree. It, it, it doesn't. It, it seems like it's counterintuitive. It's the way that we're handling that energy policy. Yes, by having exports at the same time that we have a higher fuel supply and higher gas prices here. But remember that there are contractual obligations, and there's also a reason. One of the reasons for supplying gas to Europe right now is to counteract what's going on with Russian supplying right. their fuel and gas and, and oil. So, you know, if, if there's there's a demand in Europe that has to be filled either by U.S. oil or Russian oil. And if we're trying to have a consolidated European front against what's going on in Ukraine, you can't let the Russians have the, the majority supply of oil that could be cut off at any point and really make things untenable in Europe. Um, so, you know, sometimes there is the tough choices that have to be made, especially on things like principle versus practicality, guns versus butter. What are you, what are you really trying to accomplish, and what's practical given the situation on any given day? Well, but the decisions, uh, you, you can't, I don't know, you can't have water, the water under both, both shoulders, as they used to say. I mean, California can't wait to get rid of all fossil fuel plants. And yet they want to go to electric cars. It's got to come from someplace. Well, some adult has to say, uh, if, you, if you're going to go to electric cars, you better have the power for them. It doesn't seem like there's, a, there's an adult anywhere. I mean, Germany, uh, who, Germany got rid of their coal-fired, and they're trying to get rid of their nukes, right? And right. W- w- what's left? Natural gas from Russia. Well, duh. I mean, w- w- I mean I <laughs> that, that, that to a fourth grader would seem to be a risky v- uh, way to go about things, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, and, and any kind of a transformation like this, when we're talking about a transformation to an alternate source of fuel, there is going to be a transition period, and there's going to be pain. Now, how much pain and how much of a ramp-up is the pain going to cost is always the question. You know, it sounds like a good idea at a time to say that we want to convert all of, uh, of America into an electrical-powered system or a solar-powered system, but it takes time to uh, first improve the technology then to install the technology and allow people to get used to the technology. One of the things you, you just wisely pointed out is about cars in California. When you're talking about electric cars, how do you get to the point that you can travel across country in uh, a Tesla or a Rivian or something else? How long does it take you to recharge the car? Where can you find the charging stations? You know, like when we, when we drive out west to Colorado and Arizona, we pull off you know, every couple of miles, every couple hundred miles, 300 miles, 400 miles or something, when we get to the bank of gas, we pull over, 
five, ten minutes, the car is filled up and we're back on the road again. There are gas stations right off every exit that you, we, I mean, you can see them. They're a, a, a two-minute drive off the exit, and then you get back on after filling your tank for, what, five minutes. If it takes 45 minutes to an hour to recharge the car and you get about the same distance, 300 miles, where are the supply stations and how can you cut that time down? Because uh, you know, if you're talking the difference between a five-minute fill-up for oil and a half-hour fill-up for, uh, for an electric car, you can become close to doubling the time it takes to travel across the country. That's not acceptable in American society right now. We're very impatient, and, and so that's kind of the drawback. How many stations are there to recharge the cars along the way? How accessible are they? Those are barriers to uh, just the simple question of converting from oil to electric cars that, that hasn't been solved yet. Well, I think uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this after the break. But I think you're right. I, I, don't, I don't know what the the incredible rush is. I mean, uh, plus, when uh, we come back, I want to get your, your views. I mean, obviously, uh, Carl on, on Friday has uh, very strong views regarding uh, really what we're doing with the with the electric cars and everything else, and it's not it's not like he's against them. He just thinks that the the total lack of information that people have and and really love to have uh, is out there. And anyway, let's talk about that when we come back. Speed is now up thirty one. As if he's up one hundred three. Feels like yesterday all over again. Deja vu all over again, as Yogi said. Be right back. Stacks for Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 30, NASDAQ Futures up 96. Right where we were yesterday, except we were down 30 yesterday, so we're kind of back to uneven on the week. We're not up. It's kind of really strange that we turned around yesterday and we're doing the same thing today. Dow Futures up 179, despite IBM being down 8 bucks. Everybody else except for uh, uh, Chevron is up in the Dow. Uh, so everything, like I said, everything's up in the Dow except those two. Although IBM being down eight's a lot. Over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei up 173.6%. Shanghai up one. These guys were up huge yesterday, as you recall. But that's unchanged. Hang Seng down 185.9%. Uh, they were up more than that. They were up like 2% yesterday. Uh, again, they had a big start yesterday, and now they're mostly, you know, given, given that at least Hang Seng's given most of it up. Yesterday, we finished down 215 in the Dow after being up at least 200 to 300. Uh, S&P futures down 32 after being up 40. Nasdaq down 92 after being up at least in maybe 200. So that was a big turnaround. Europe, DAX down two, call that flat. FTSE up 17.24. CAC around down four, call that flat. So very quiet over in Europe. Uh, bonds up three basis points, 2.98, trying to get back to 3% after we were pushing four for a while. Uh, Bond up two basis points, 1.24. Uh, Japan back up to 0.25, so not much going on there. Oil down a dollar 95, still hanging over 100, 100 dollars and 65 cents. Brent a dollar, a dollar 74, 104.53. Natural gas down 11 cents, 736. Our Bob down 4 cents, 321. So when you pull into a station in Illinois at 553, which is now 220, 230 over our Bob, there needs to be an investigation. I don't usually call for that stuff, but the dollar 20 cheaper in Indiana, so something's going on here. Uh, gold up five bucks, seventeen fifteen. Silver down three cents, eighteen eighty. Copper down three cents, three thirty. We've got crypto up five eighty seven, twenty two thousand one ninety eight. Uh, so it's it's way way past twenty thousand. So uh, a little bit of good news in the crypto market today. Uh, Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently six thirty five a.m. on July nineteenth. Let's actually start with sports. Uh, we have a lot of wins from last night. The White Sox beat the Twins last night. 11 wait, 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 that was oh. Sunday. Nobody played yesterday. Sun- oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> Home run derby was last night. Oh, my God. I, I'm thinking about yesterday being Monday, and I realized that no one played yesterday. That was my bad. So looking at the uh, games from Sunday, forgive me, uh, the White Sox beat the Twins 11-0. 
Uh, the Cubs beat the Mets 3-2, to and the Diamondbacks beat the Padres 3-1. to Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, we have a beautiful day today. Uh, we're going to have a really beautiful, perfectly sunny day. Sitting at 72 degrees, high of 90, with a low of 70 in the evening. And looking at weather in Phoenix, you got a hot, hot day. Uh, kind of a cloudy, humid day today, though. So you have heat and humidity. Uh, sitting at 92 degrees currently, with a high of 112 and a low of 88. Looking at traffic in Chicago wait, this wait, morning. What happened to the dry heat? Uh, that will be probably tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> well, looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, uh, we have a backup uh, eastbound on 88 uh, from Kingery approaching the uh, 290 um, exit ramp. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Austin. Really heavy traffic northbound on 294 between the I-88 uh, ramp and the I-90 ramp with an accident at West Grand Avenue. There's a two-lane closure from the right, so be mindful of that this morning. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 uh, Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Intermittent traffic westbound 94 between East 130th and 87th and between 35th and West Ontario. Traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. And finally, traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Kedzie. Back to you, Chief. Uh, bringing all kinds of stuff here. We got the crypto moving up here this morning. Uh, hey, real, real quick, what do you make of, uh, you know, it's not that People get disgusted with some people in office, and, and it's on both sides of the aisle for me. I don't. Uh, yet this week, with this huge bill coming down about how much money they're going to give the uh, semiconductor industries, all of a sudden Pelosi's wife buys five million dollars worth of Nvidia. Did, 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 don't these don't these people even care if they're being kind of watched? Don't they don't they even have any and they have, and they have any? Are they just totally amoral? They don't even care. I I stunned by some of the actions of the. Of the people in Congress right now. I mean, we, we saw the last saw it before uh, with senators, and and both parties are, are are equally to blame in the way that they respond to this. And and it's abhorrent when people are using insider information like this in Congress and without penalty, and they're making a lot of money on things like that. Although, <clears throat> you know, I I change it for a slight moment here. I was surprised that. Um, no, no. Let, let's just stick with this. Uh, but I agree with you that when you when you're looking at how congressional people, senators, and congressmen make money, or family members make money with things that are inside information and where they're legislating, there's clearly a conflict of interest. I don't. When, when did that become? When did that become okay? It never was okay. Well, to you and me, it isn't. But obviously, everybody else because they're doing it. Yeah, and. This is this is one of the situations where people have to be called out on, and there really has to be tougher legislation drafted to to stop this. But we see it all all levels of government. We see it when uh, congressmen and senators are able to to uh, you know sell stock in it. And, like think back to um, to when COVID came out a few years ago, when when COVID really hit, and you saw senators uh, selling stock in hotels in, in hotel ventures and buying pharmaceutical stock. Uh, you know, you see it in, in local government where aldermen are uh, manipulating their office to to gain for their private businesses. Uh, it, it, it's all over the place. And then there's the hesitation to impose any legislation with real teeth or sanctions, or even pull out investigations. Well, how do you, uh, somebody who's you know learned in the law, which I'm not, uh, how exactly, on, on just on a uh, a street kid standpoint do you ever expect the people doing the stealing to come up with a law to say they can't steal I mean I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean I, I've had 
I've, I mean, I've, I've lobbed the one out there about we need constitutional conventions at all levels, and people debate me on that, and I understand why they debate me on that. I mean, we don't want to start from square zero. But I, I don't see any chance whatsoever that the people in Congress are going are are to pass a law saying they can't cheat when they're the ones that are cheating. I, I, don't, I don't know how you... I don't know how you, how you, I don't know how human nature gets around that. And somehow or another, the the people who wrote the Constitution felt that this wasn't. But it seems like that they control the the, the executive branch. They, I mean, you, you, some for some reason, the president is never going to go after whoever the president is. Certainly after somebody in his own party. But by the way, you know, I think we sent you that thing. One of the, our listeners sent the. Uh, a list of the people whose returns in the last how many years were way better in the market, and Pelosi was like number nine. There were like five other people way ahead of her. I don't even know the names of these people. I mean, it's, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like a favorite sport. I mean, and yesterday I read something about Pritzker's family getting involved in all these energy distribution points, which are going to be really key if we get more off oil and stuff. But I don't know, Brent. I just well, anyway, I, what I wanted to ask you about is stuff about the electric cars and stuff. How much? Lack of, I mean, Carl always talks about if, if people actually knew how much oil it took to make a Tesla, when you're talking about batteries and everything, because you're not saving anything. All you're doing is, is off, offshoring it. That, that, that in Russia, they're digging up how many thousand pounds of dirt it needs for the enough, whatever the, the stuff is that goes in the battery. I mean, if, if you count that, you're, you're not, all we're doing is offshoring this stuff. I mean, I mean I don't, I, you know, he thinks we should have tariffs based on the slave labor part of a place and the anti and the lack of anti-pollution stuff in a place to even stuff out and i don't know how you'd ever do that but but I, what do you think of something like that well i don't have the answer for that i don't have uh, an opinion on it because i don't have the factual basis on how much oil is used to produce the energy for the cars um i and I mean, the other part of the question is is this transitory is this like the early stage of converting because yeah, i mean well, I don't think you were around at the height of uh, when electric cars in this country were really the rage. It was back around 1910, 1920, uh, when gas-powered engines were really in competition with electric vehicles. And it turned out that oil won, and that's where we are today. But it, we could just as easily be with electric vehicles now well, in the 1920s no, no. with a completely different situation. Except 1920, However, nobody uh, drove to California. Pardon? You know, in 1920, nobody drove to California. Well, that's right. But uh, my point is that electric cars were in their infancy at that time, and then they were overcome by oil as being much more efficient for their, um, for powering cars. Um, there's a transition that's needed to convert both the mindset and the the ability to make uh, make electric vehicles or solar powered vehicles uh, useful and part of our society. When I lived out in Arizona, I was uh, working with a, a startup company for a while on solar-powered cars, and they never had the funding to really develop solar power technology, so they're even further behind where Tesla and other electric vehicles are now, um, even in a place like California or Arizona where there's a lot of sunshine. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, matter of fact, don't think for a second that I'm I'm anti any of this. I'm just... I'm just anti the way we're going about it. I mean, I, I honestly believe, and I've said, guys, it's been days I worked at Pullman. Uh, when we did the um, Boston commuter car contract, Boston had decided that they were going to electrify their com- commuter lines, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is a terrific idea. 
So when we built the the cars for uh, Boston, which got to be getting to the point now where we're getting rid of them, they're so old. Um, we had the, the trucks were redesigned. The trucks being the wheel and axle combo down on the bottom. It's called a truck. Uh, we had we had the mountings in the room for traction motors, and on the roof we had we we had the uh, we reinforced it. The thing up top is called, by the way, a pantograph. We had we had the, we had all that in the car with the raceways down to the trucks and into the cab. Would have been a relatively well would have been, would have been really easy, but all the all the pr- uh, preparations were there for those things to be electrified. They never it never happened, but now electrified commuter cars. Actually, electrified locomotives is a tremendous idea in areas where uh-huh. I mean, I mean, if the idea between Kansas and uh, L.A. on the on the the old Santa Fe route, where you've got nothing but wind and, and sun, the idea that you're not using electric locomotives there, Brennan, I think is insane. You know, I mean, there, there are spots here. So, I mean, I don't, I don't I, you know, I hope I'm not categorizing myself as is is a luddite and anti any of this stuff. I'm not. I'm just saying there's some areas where we should be pushing forward where it's so damn obvious. No, there is. We just wait a little while. I mean, I mean, if I had three cars, I would have one of them electric. When I bump around to the store in a weekend, why wouldn't I? But I mean, uh-huh. if, if it's my man, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take one of those to L.A. and be sitting on the side of the road. I mean, they're not, we're not ready yet. I'm just, well, that's my point that I made earlier. That the, the difference in the transition, the, the the bad part of the transition right now is no matter how efficient electrical cars are, we don't have the infrastructure where we can support going from Chicago to California or Chicago to Arizona uh, and refueling. The same way that we do with, with gas in the cars, where you every 300 miles you get off the exit, a minute later you're in the gas station, and five minutes later you're back on the road. That's not happening right no. now with electric vehicles, and, and uh, it's going to take some time for that infrastructure to be in place, to be developed and be available. Brennan, thank you very much, buddy. Good having you an extra 15 minutes. Maybe I'll get to see you one of these days, you know. It's possible, I guess. Maybe. Take care of yourself. SP Futures up 27, as if Futures up 88. Right back, Mr. Kenny Polkari. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. That ain't working. Hello, I'm Pace, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 27. NSA Futures up 90. Eliani, you're too young to even remember what MTV actually was. That songs were being played on MTV. It actually had nothing but songs and good-looking women and guys all day long. Dr. J loved that stuff. <laughs> but when, when, <laughs> For sure. When did MTV stop being MTV? I don't even I don't remember. Kenny, remember. Kenny, how are you, bud? How are you? All right. When did MTV stop being like MTV, where you could just sit there in a hypnotic trance watching good-looking women and listen to good music all day? Uh, 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 honestly, I have to say, <laughs> I kind of missed that whole MTV thing because I was too old for it, and then I was married with kids, and I wasn't sitting around watching MTV, so I'm not the right person to ask about that. <laughs> I, do miss, I do miss old MTV. That was a really fun pastime for me in middle school. Well, you're, you're, a, you're a music girl, so I can see where you would... You would uh you would get into it. I mean, but it was I mean, it was nice to have a station which is good music on it and good looking people. There's nothing wrong with that every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> well, now it's YouTube and Spotify, so <laughs> yeah, right. It's not MTV anymore. Yeah. No. Well, Kenny, what? Uh, how many topics do we have today? For God's sake, this Russia. Uh, the closer people I know from Europe are, are are shaking in their boots on this thing Thursday morning. Right. Uh, right. We've got. Uh, the, on the one hand, they're pushing the crypto prices up, and on the other hand, they're saying the, well, all these miners are getting out of the business and puking out all their crypto. We've, I mean, it, whatever whatever thing you want to look at today, it's it's the bizarre. I can't believe we're right back up where we were. Well, really, at the middle of the day yesterday, we were way up yesterday. Turned it all the way around, and now we're trying it again today. What, what is what's going yeah. on, man? I, I think it's lots of confusion out there. I think that there's a lot of different cross-current conversations trying to steal the spotlight. I think the idea that the market was up yesterday and then it turns south because Tim Cook comes out and says, oh, by the way, we're a little bit cautious on the future and we're going to slow our hiring, cause the market to turn around, I think is complete baloney because we've been hearing that from every single earnings announcement. Everybody telling us that they're slowing the hiring process. So why is it when Apple says it, suddenly it's important? I think it's baloney. I, I do think that Apple certainly is Apple. It's a big name. I get it. But we've been hearing that theme from everybody. So that is the theme that you and I were talking about, what to expect this, this earnings quarter. So I think there's lots of confusion. Then it was 100 basis points with the Fed. Then it was 75. Then it was no 150. Now it's back to 75. Everyone's going, you know, everyone's overreacting. Inflation's not that bad. Meanwhile, it's at 40-year highs, which yeah. is incredible to me that we're even having this conversation. Well, Kenny, how do you, as somebody who, uh, let's put it this way, been on, been on the real airwaves, the national TV airwaves, way, way more than I ever was, 
Uh, when you start talking about, and, and, I, and one of the things that always happens with the, I won't, won't include you in this, with the talking heads, is, is they, they get such a part of the thing that they, they think they've become the market to where, if, if exactly. like, like you said, 15 CEOs come out and say, uh, you know, hiring, we're hiring, hiring, we're slowing. By the way, business is slowing. And three guys come out and say that, or three ladies, because just be many right. chairmen are women, right. guys. Uh, they come out and say that, and then the market doesn't really react. And then, of course, one of the talking heads will say, "Well, clearly the market's already recognized this and discounted it, or clearly it's already in the market." How how do you determine whether it's in the market or whether people just aren't freaking listening? Well, you know, I think it's very funny because I, I suppose it depends on the day you're talking about, right? Because yeah. yesterday, I think it's in, I think that they've been talking about it, and we're talking about heads of industry, J.P. Morgan. You're talking about Tesla. All these people that have big companies that you know are not these you know uh, mid cap or small cap companies, but large cap companies that are talking about the economy. And so I think that was why we saw the market back off the last couple of weeks as we were moving into earnings season. And then they get comfortable with it. Then they get comfortable with the Fed being more aggressive. Everyone's going, okay, rah, rah, here we go. The market's oversold. And then when they get to the point, once again, where somebody else who's a big name decides to say, I'm concerned, all of a sudden they go, oh, my God, you know, Timmy Cook's concerned. It's the end of the world. This isn't priced in. We've got to reprice it. So it continues to be the noise driven then by the reaction and the algorithms, right? Because human beings don't react like that the way that the, the way that the smart logic algorithms react as they scrape the headline and they look for either positive or negative words and then react in such a way. And that's exactly what they did again yesterday because the, because there was nothing different other than this time it was Timmy Cook at Apple that said it and suddenly the algorithm goes, okay, well, that's important because it's Timmy Cook at Apple, so that must be a negative. And I think it's baloney. Well, Kenny, I, I think that I, I'm gonna, I'll ask. I'm going to give you a lot of my feeling out there, but I think you're closer to this than me. I I I have a feeling. I just have this view of the of the current market fabric. When we're, when we're into the, a few people involved, the payment for overflow, everybody gets to look at the order. It's nowhere near as clean as it was when you were on the New York Stock Exchange or I was on the SIBO. So Correct. I mean, there's there, there's no such thing really as a well. If there might be somewhere, there's no customer order book. There's no depth. A specialist book of any of these stocks of any consequence right. anywhere. I don't think so. I think all that has to happen with the Apple yesterday is a few people hear it, decide, well, I'm going to sell a little bit of Apple. I just think right. the, I don't. I think the algos maybe act a little differently than you do. I just think all the people who are are allegedly there, there's no there's no stacked up bids for Apple like there used to be in the New York Stock mm-hmm. Exchange. So, Agreed, but don't forget also is that the market is so fragmented, right? The New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ are not the only two market centers. Now there are 11 exchanges and 40-plus different dark pools that anyone can place a bid in an offering, and they do spread their spread themselves all over the place. And when the algos go to initiate sell or buy orders, they spray every market center, right? So the orders go, the orders go flying into all these different market centers looking for the liquidity, which is what causes all the noise, and all the quick reaction. That's the current problem with market structure today. It's just that the technology allows it to happen that much quicker. And like you said, the orders are not located in one place the way they used to be at the New York Stock Exchange. I could walk into Coca-Cola and see what the current market was. Where was the supply? Where was the demand? And get a much better sense then than I do today. Well, we don't want that because people take advantage. of. Well, I, mean, I think what happens, Kenny, is people just, the, the, the algos... I, they probably 
you're, you're right because you're closer to it than me. They search for any loan bid that has to be out there, happens to be out there, Correct. so they can smack it. But I also think they just pull all their bids. Right. Well, they do. Yeah. They do. What happens is when the new, when the negative headlines come out, the buy side bids automatically cancel and, and retreat. Yes. Right? Move to lower prices, leaving a void in prices, and then the sell side comes in and, and you get the cost. Now, look, it happens the other way too. When a positive headline comes out, the sell side offerings cancel and move to higher prices, leaving a void on the way up as well, which is why you see these dramatic swings all day long. Kenny, what would your guess be? Because uh, I think I think we absolutely need to go back to, I don't care where it is, that all right. this stuff happens in one spot. Well, uh, listen, I would agree with you, trust me, because you know now you're making me very melancholy, but the fact is after 9-11, 9-11 brought to brought, you know, sh- shown the light on the fact that how risky that is to have everything happen in one place. If they had blown up the New York Stock Exchange that day, they would have really brought this country to its knees because there was no there was no plan B. There might be a plan yeah, there was. A, but there wasn't that. See, now you're, so you're, if you have it all in one place, you risk putting the market, you know, in a dangerous spot. You, you see, now you're, you're one of these New York guys, you know. That actually happened a few times when I was trading options way back in the day. That's that somehow or another New right. York had to close. There was some, there was some lightning. There was some couple times, and you know, right. what? for for a day or two, the, the Chicago Stock Exchange handled most of it pretty darn well. I'm not saying well, you can. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. I, I hear you, but what I'm saying is, remember when 9/11 happened? That that the risk was here. We had one location in downtown Manhattan with 5,000 people that made the place run every day. And if they if they blew that building up, that would have all been right. done. There wasn't that Plan B. Well, the, the person who blew up the industry is Bernie Madoff when he when he invented yeah, payment for order flow. But what, what I'm saying, Bernie Kenny, is and his family. Yeah, well, because he invented the payment for order flow in Cincinnati. Correct. But I'm saying uh, what what I would like to see, Kenny, and I don't know if people. We only got a couple of minutes, but when I traded in the OEX, I think to this day the OEX was the straightest product ever. Traded by anybody for for this reason, sixty. I think something like I'm I'm losing my memory here. I'm going to say sixty five to sixty seven percent of all the trades were customer to customer. Right now, what, what in the stock world? What percentage of the trade do you think are customer to customer? One percent, five percent? Well, today that's true. But remember, you and I can talk about that when I, when when you know back in the eighties and nineties on the Fuzzy Exchange. I would agree with you that ninety percent of my trades were. Natural buyer to natural seller with the specialist kind of filling in on small lots. Right. Today, it's all about traders trading with traders. Well, it's, it's you know, it's jumping right. ahead. If, if you're sitting there with 1,000 shares of IBM, yep. or is IBM trading? If you're at 130, I'm going to, yep. uh, and my customer wants to buy it, I'm going to, yep. I mean, we don't, but I'm going to sell it to somebody who will trade it at 129.9999 and get ahead of you, and in yep. a second that it, that, that's, that's insane. What? Exactly. Of course, it's insane. I agree with you that there are now a thousand price points between every full figure, right? Because it's zero 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 one all the way up to nine 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 nine. That's a thousand price points, and so it makes it complete and very noisy, and it creates chaos. But that's what they want in the tech industry because that's what gives them the edge, right? Because these supercomputers can jump in there and, for fractions of a penny, jump in front of somebody else. Which you and I can, you know, we can talk about this all day long because, uh, because I agree with you. I think it's baloney. Well, you don't need a, 
You don't need a supercomputer to lean on an order. I used, I used to be able to do that in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you could do that when it was when we traded an eighth of a dollar yeah. and everyone was in the same place, right? Right. But I'm saying then then to have the the head of one of these firms come out and say how he's given somebody a better fill at a thousandth of a cent right. better with his bare face out there. I, I, you almost want to you want right. to reach out with the aqua velva and smack him in the face or something. <laughs> Aquavelva. Oh my <laughs> god. I'm gonna stop it. Do they even sell Aquavelva anymore? I bet I bet you can still get it. I mean I don't know. Do you, I, bet you on, I bet you on Amazon you could get it. Well at uh what's the name of that place, the New York gonna Country or now. Vermont Country store? You can still buy high karate. High karate <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the other one is old brute. Old yeah, brute. the brute. Well, uh, it was old spice or brute. The old spice is still huge. Brute, brute was the old other one. Old spice is still huge. Yeah, you can get Aquavelva on Amazon. I just looked. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, if you Wait, I have Aquavelva musk. I just was in uh, actually the Myers <laughs> the other day, and I saw the uh, yeah. old spice, uh, the old spice original. And guess what it said yeah. on there, Kenny? What? It said, if, "If Grandpa didn't use this, you wouldn't be here." Oh, <laughs> oh my God! So <laughs> <laughs> ah. what? <laughs> How much truth to that add? You know, it might, it might be, it might true. be, might be very true. <laughs> Who knows? I think, well, I think Old Spice is wrong. Very first cologne I used as like a sixteen-year-old kid when I thought I was cool. And it, it's it's oh, bigger now God. than ever. They, they they got a whole aisle in the Myers for God's sake. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, take, uh, as as usual, good time, buddy. Take care of yourself. S and P futures up thirty-three. Nasdaq futures up one hundred nine. Be right back, Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, 
low interest rates, and good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Low North Bank stocks and jacks down tomorrow. Eliani on the board. SP futures up 31. As a futures up 105. Uh, do we have the professor? Good morning. How are you, bud? I'm doing pretty good. How uh, hot in Europe? No air conditioning. Tempers have to be have to be uh, short, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> Where in Europe are you? Oh, yeah, just saying. Well, they're talking about uh, wildfires. Uh, actually, we have a few people that listen to the show from London. And I got an email last night, 102 and a half here yesterday. Well, that's what it was on Sunday in Utah. Wow. It's it was been, brutal. It's, been, it's <laughs> actually been pretty good here. We, in fact, the weekend was gorgeous, 75 and sunny. I mean, uh, we've been, we've had, we had a couple of warm days here today being one of them. But, uh, it was kind of humid over the weekend, though. It yeah, rained. But, I mean, the last <laughs> two weeks, though, we've had some Oh, no, we've had, we've, had, we've had some pretty nice. So, yeah, Saturday and Sunday was a bit humid and then it rained yeah on sunday that's not too bad though yeah we get a little bit of rain you know we gotta, we gotta get some of that but the the corn i i was two weeks uh i hadn't been out to the burbs and uh god it went from like knee high to head high in like two weeks the corn just loved the water uh <laughs> so that's why you know that's one of the reasons why corn prices are coming down it looks like a, a pretty good crop so far you know i mean uh so i guess that's pretty good if you're uh if you, if you sold corn at the top and sold the futures bought some puts we don't have too many people that trade the commodities anymore. We used to people used to love doing that, especially in the Chicago area. It's not something retail people, you know, for so many years it didn't do much. But uh, I'm going to say there were times when, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I would say 45 percent of PTI's business was futures. And hmm. uh, and uh, now you know we rarely. I mean, I, boy, if somebody called today and want to buy, you know, twenty thousand bushels of corn, I'd like you got the right number. I mean, it's, I mean. Uh, People don't. I mean, I don't know why it, but especially in the Chicago area, I mean, uh, grain trading was 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 big in Illinois. I mean, we used to do seminars. My brother's really well. He traded in the corn option pit for a long time. He's a pretty serious expert on, on corn options and a different product. Different. Uh, uh, if once you get into one of those uh, products, it's almost like a. Remember in the, in the Kung Fu episode, the beginning one, where he said every style is a lifetime to learn. Well, it's almost like every every grain. I mean, if you want to be uh, like what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Greg Pappas is on every Monday. He's in. Uh, he's traded his whole life over there in the the soybean, uh, and he's an expert on the crush. You know, you grind the soybeans, and you get meal and and oil, and they move a little bit. And sometimes you you have to buy one, sell the other. But he's traded that for years. And, uh, wow. And uh, and it's but guys that are in the corn, they the, they are absolutely all over delivery versus. New crap, old crap, and the stuff from Brazil, and because every, every different, un, unlike a, uh, I mean, IBM is in the news this morning because it's down like eight bucks on earnings, but every every option 
that you have an IBM uh, that goes out, you know, you could have the one this week or you can have the one in September, you have the one next year. It's all on the same underlying, IBM. But with with uh, with futures, with grains, they're not the same underlying. Because if somebody comes and buys, I think there's a July corn, I'm not positive. One's June, one's July, soybean and corn. I think, I think corn is July. Uh, the uh, don't, don't hold me to that. Uh, if you want to buy July corn, you're talking about stuff that's in storage right now. So if, if China or somebody wants to make a big buy, I don't know if we're still selling to them, they want to buy it, you got to look around and you gotta, you got to go get it from either the, the people that have it in storage or, or farmer's bins or someplace. Um, but that price, that price could go three, four dollars higher than November's, either November or December corn, which is, which is now this year's crop. The September being kind of a, a bastard month where some people get in there early and you got some from South America sneaks into September. So that's kind of a, a mixed weirdo crop. Or, but it, 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 you, you could easily have the, have the July outstrip the, the November or December by two, three hours if all of a sudden you get like a flood now or something. I mean, uh, it, it's, but I mean, it really is a, a fascinating thing to trade. And uh, because, because the underlyings keep shifting, it's almost like the VIX. Because the options are on the different futures. So people who trade the VIX, virtually nobody knows that. But when you're trading options on the VIX, you're, you're trading on the VIX futures. So if you're talking about you know a, a January VIX, you're talking about whatever the, the, the future is out there, which could have a big discount from the one today. So it's, you, know, it's fat. you just have to know what you're trading, I guess, is the, is the bottom line there. Just saying. <laughs> so you want to... So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, um... Investors still like there's going to be a lot more corn on the market this year than the previous year. Um, That's kind of what it sounds like. Well, it's going to be a a, right now. It looks like it's going to be a really good crop. Yeah. And you've had you know maybe because of the combination of uh, of of, I won't say global warming, but the combination of maybe getting a little warmer and having some of the new seeds and uh, fertilizers. I don't know because fertilizers are so expensive this year. Every year since we've been in the business, my brother was here, he could tell you almost exactly. The, the line in, in the country where you can grow corn for profit has kind of crept up north, I'm going to say, two, two, three, five miles a year. Oh, wow. So you can actually, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you could, when, when we started the business, you know, 85, or my brother started in 85, uh, I, don't, I don't know that if you could have grown corn for you can grow it and knock it down just for silage for cattle. That's what they used to do. And uh, my girlfriend, she bought a horse up there. Where she drags me up to this place, uh, a bed and breakfast in the middle of Wisconsin. Beautiful farm. And this guy had, boy, talk about different things. I and mean, he was a he he was a uh, she was a paramedic and ran a, a bed and breakfast and helped milk the cows and all the rest because they had they had cows at a dairy farm, but they also had had cattle that they put out. I think the cattle was owned by like Morgan Stanley or somebody. Well, they'd get them right after they were done, you know, with the mother. They'd put them out there, and uh, they would just knock the corn down, and they would just and they got paid, you know, like a penny a pound for how much they gained while they were there, or some some bizarre deal. So they had all this stuff going on at the same time, and he also had another job. And uh, but I don't think at that time anybody grew corn for just for growing corn to harvest it and sell it in central Wisconsin. But now I think you can. I mean, all, all it takes is. It looks like, it looks like uh, corn yields are going to be higher in Canada too. So yeah, well, I'm saying yeah. corn and corn in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you do that 
30 years ago either. I mean, to the extent they do now. But I mean, also... You think part of the... Th- oh, sorry. Do you think part of the increase in the price that investors are expecting can be attributed to the Biden administration's switch from limiting the amount of ethanol and gas from 10% to 15% uh, had anything to do with that? Because when it, if, if people are purchasing corn to turn into fuel, it's going to have upper pressure on those prices. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, Do you think that has anything to do with it? I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the, right now, I don't see any reason to buy that because it's almost the same price as the gas. I mean, there have been yeah, times, that is true. Yeah, I mean, there have been times yeah. when I've when I've gone to the station and you know gas was three fifty and E eighty five was like two fifty. Mm. You sit there and go, wow, you get a little less mileage, but boy, it's a buck cheaper. You know, I'm better off doing that. We actually had an, an expert on. Uh, Do you guys have those choices in Chicago where you can buy E eighty five or gasoline at the same gas station? Yeah, not all places. Not yeah, all I don't places. think we have that here in Utah. We either have, well, we have basically. Uh, gasoline with ten percent ethanol on it. Okay, well, a lot of this. The new station. Yeah, most We we now have. I just was in a station the other day where you could get E eighty five, the regular gas, which is ten percent, or you could get the fifteen percent. Wow. Without fifteen percent, you have to. You, your cars have to be what's it? Ten years old, twelve years old. I, I, before I say that, I should I should get that. But it, like mine's my, mine's a ninety nine. My my suburban. I don't think I can use that in mine. Nice. 99 Suburban. Yeah, it's a beauty. Old Secret Service. Well, you tell me to follow me advice of a lot of investors. Uh, they always say, uh, get out of college, don't buy that brand new car. Right? Keep that. Keep your car for 10 years, and then you can like retire 10 years earlier or something. Yeah, I You're taking that to the max, man, with a 99. Well, you know, it, uh, <laughs> nothing. These, these old trucks just keep running. And they're easy to fix. Well, they're easy to maintain, yeah. too. They're really easy to maintain, those little trucks. Everybody, everybody can work on them. So I'm know. looking at these. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was looking at some um, some stuff along about the E85s. They're saying that the E85s are suitable for any vehicle that's designated as a quote-unquote flex fuel Correct. vehicle manufacturer. So, Okay, we have, a, we have a van that's a flex fuel. Yeah. Yeah, you can, so you can use it. Wow, okay. We, yeah. had, we had an expert, X an expert. We had an expert on who was from the ethanol industry. And he said the the best if you wanted to use it in your van if you you know if the prices were okay the best way to do it where you don't lose because you actually get more power with the ethanol but you lose mileage he said the the best blend is about thirty percent ethanol so if you've got a, if you've got a thirty gallon tank if I can do the math if if you fill it up with the ten percent you've got three gallons right of, of yeah. ethanol well what you should do I'll is, is make note of that you should probably fill it up with uh, 24 gallons, say, and the other six gallons should be ethanol. He says you don't lose hardly yeah. any mileage, and you actually pick up a little power. That's the number you want to be. Tom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my son. Um, I'm gonna give him a story problem where he has to calculate x number of gallons of uh, 85 percent ethanol and yeah. x percent gallons, y percent gallons of uh, gasoline with 10 percent ethanol in it, and I'll have him uh, figure out. What percent of my gas tank should be that? Then I'll post it on Twitter for you. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, when it, when it first came out, people started using the E85. The cars, it, yeah. it screwed up the cars totally, even though the car mm. was designed for it. Because what what the engineers or forgot or didn't do, they used the same sort of fittings, same sort of gaskets, same sort of connections, 
and then evidently the alcohol just, just ate up the old gaskets and rubber fittings. So they had a okay. Had, so if you have a if you have a vehicle that has flex fuel option, you probably have the uh, seals and O rings that are now, now designed you for. It, so, now now yeah. you do. The first couple of years you didn't. Yeah. That's what my point is. But no, now you do. And uh, yeah, it says I, I would, yeah. I'd love to have a flex, but like I say, right now we're almost the same price. So you know what's the point yeah. of that? But but there's been times when it's been a dollar cheaper. And I was I, I pulled in one day it was three twenty for gas and with buck ninety for eighty five. I mean, you're crazy not to hmm. go half and half then. Yeah. So what? Uh, what is the? I mean, I don't. What, what do you think? Well, first of all, I mean, I know Brendan always doesn't like it when I when I criticize too much. Maybe I'm getting I'm getting older and grumpy, but he's as old as I am. Uh, when I when I look at our, our sanctions, at the end of the day, Russia's got more money from the sanctions they did before. I just wonder if we did such a good job. What do you suppose happens if these guys don't turn this gas line back on? That now they're threatening not to do. Uh, it's supposed to be. Well, I think I think what it is is Russia's on that part of the revenue curve where if they uh, lower quantity and raise prices, um, they're going to because of the elasticity of demand that they're calculating. If they can restrict the uh, output, they can drive prices up. They can increase revenue. I think that they're on that part of the revenue curve. Well. I mean, that's large, that's large why I would think that Putin would consider reducing uh, supplies to uh, Europe. But, I mean, if you think about it, world market, you know, if Russia stops selling to Europe, they're going to they're gonna sell more to China and India. China and India are going to buy less from their suppliers, which means Europe will buy from China and India's former suppliers. So it's a world market. Well, did you I think what it will do, I think what it will do, it'll probably reduce quantity a little bit, Push prices up and push Putin's revenues higher. That's what I think it'll do. What uh, would you make of the tweet the other day? I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you got it, but uh, Greg's the one that found it. That the Saudis are being a, are a big buyer of Russian oil. Really? <laughs> at a discount, and that they're using that for their own consumption, selling everybody else the other stuff at the high price. That, that that might be indicating that Saudi is really, you know, maybe they've exhausted their. Your supplies. I don't know. No, they're, they're buying it at, at eighty and selling it at one twenty. Duh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, may, may, maybe it's just an arbitrage thing. Yeah, right. You and you and I can figure yeah. out how to make money doing that. Yeah, it's like the Fed. I, yeah. I just tweeted something out um, about uh, CDs. You might like it. It's uh, in nineteen eighty what three? You could get a CD paying fourteen percent with inflation at six. Your rate of return is eight percent. You can double your money in nine years. But today, if you buy a CD at one percent, you're going to lose half your money in nine years, yep. and that's that's how bad the Fed has distorted markets, in my opinion. I, it's the, just crazy what the Fed is doing. I think the uh, when you had that, would you say 1983? Yeah, I think it was like 83 or something. I'm, I'm going to say yeah. that was the that was the absolute tail end, though. Where uh, yeah, because I mean the it it, it pretty much was was. Uh, I'm gonna say two percent over inflation, two to three percent over inflation the whole way through. But near the end, I don't. I don't think in '83. I think one of my uh, then girlfriend got fourteen and a half percent at Continental, the the dear departed Continental Bank. But I think at that point she could only get it for six months. They're already coming down. If you wanted, oh, long, okay. if you wanted longer, yeah. So I don't think you could have 1983. I don't think you could have gotten. A thirteen percenter for like eight years or something. I think you might have been only able to get yeah. it for six months or a year because inflation was coming down at that point. 
Uh, and, and yeah. I think, and I think Volker, when I see this stuff, you know, I just it just aggravates me because I don't have access to the numbers like like you do or Russell does. But uh, they're they're doing the, they're making the same mistakes. Why, don't, why can't they read the same books I read and just look at the history of it? I mean, we still. I honestly believe, I mean, uh, by looking at the at the money supply numbers, that the the acceleration to the inflation that we've seen has peaked. But because of the way we stumble around and tell people what it is, then it, it won't flow through all the numbers for another year, even though I think it actually has peaked because we've, we've stopped raising the money supply right now. Uh, we haven't really gone yeah. down, but we stopped raising it. So the, if I could use physics terms, the acceleration has stopped. The velocity might still be there, and the counting is is like way behind. But I mean, we to a certain extent, I I think we're sort of I won't say over it, but same thing happened with Volker. I mean, he he kept fighting this battle six months to a year after he already won. I mean, you know, here's something really cynical, Tom. You have all these monetary moni- modern monetary theorists, right? They're working for the current administration. If you really think about it, maybe. He- Cynically, uh, sarcastically, maybe this whole COVID thing <laughs> with the lockdowns, shrinking supply, making people stay at home, maybe it was just a big MMT experiment gone awry. Because right. you, you shut down the economy, 30% of the economy shut down, and you tell people to stay home, and you just inject all kinds of cash into the system to see what happens. And... A couple years later, people wake up and go, "Holy crap, that didn't work." Well, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see how. I don't know. Yeah, what when people write a book and who's the the lady, the new monetary theorist? And I think Biden's got her on his, on his council of economic advisors. What the hell's her name? The guy wrote the new monetary theory. The lady. Yeah, I think she's at Stony Brook, and I forget the name. Well, I, I don't see. To me, yeah. I mean, I, last week I read in a, I don't know where I was read a journal or CNBC that uh, Turkey's irate that they're their inflation is like seventy percent or something. So sure enough, I go to the, I go to the <laughs> I go to the uh, internet. Uh, you know, the internet, I know how to work. I know how to work it a little bit, and I and I, and I just peck in, you know, with my two fingers, uh, Turkish money supply. And sure enough, in the last year, the money supply is up seventy percent. Now inflation seventy percent. What what where where exactly? If you do the same thing with Iran, the same thing with Venezuela, same thing with with. Uh, the Weimar Republic, the same thing here. How exactly does a new monetary theorist counteract the fact that one 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 follows the other, just like you know, morning follows the night? I mean, I mean, how how do they say, oh no, it's not the money? How how do you even how do you even theoretically get away with that? Well, I think uh, what what I tell my students is when you if you go to if you decide to go to graduate school in economics, um, you have to think about where you're going to get your degree. I mean, everybody thinks about this, right? Where they get the degree, um, what institution they're going to get from, who they're going to study on there, and then what do they want to do after they get their PhD? Do they want to go into consulting in the private sector? Do they want to inform policymakers, working as an advisor to Democrats or Republicans? And I think all those choices are kind of already made for you. You kind of know what you want to do with it. And I think what happens is when you go get, get your PhD, you, you kind of glom on to either neoclassical economics or you kind of glom on to Keynesian economics because you you kind of you're looking for confirmation bias right 
you grew up a certain way, maybe you grew up as a libertarian in Idaho, or you grew up as a progressive on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So you, you're, I think your formative years pick your PhD economics and kind of steers you in the direction that you want your career to have. And so you write treaties, economic treaties, to gain the kind of employment and power and influence that you seek, right? And this happened 300 years ago. When you have French philosophers write an economic treaty, they're not criticizing the king of France. They're writing treaties that are in, that support what the king of France is doing because they want a job on that king's court. And I think that's a lot. That can explain a lot of how economics goes so wrong today. Because if you're a conservative or libertarian, you're probably going to end up working for a Republican uh, future president. If you're otherwise, you might end up working for a Democrat future president, right? And in order to get those jobs, you have to be able to sell that party's political ideas and political policies. And I think that's how this stuff gets unraveled the way it has. But you, but you can and also at a lot of these at a lot of these institutions. I think there's a lot of groupthink. If you look at the diversity of thought at a lot of these institutions, I think there's a lot of people who think a certain way, and I think that kind of creates a moral hazard in economic thinking. And I think that's all, those are the things that explain monetary, monetary, modern monetary theory. But, uh, but somewhere along the line, you would think, uh, if, if every time I poke a hole in the swimming pool, the water comes out, all right? And somebody, if somebody's got to write... In other words, one of these, these people, to, to opine on national TV, whichever we can do all they want, or on Stacks and Jacks, uh, is one thing. If I'm going to write a book on it, I, I need I need an example, one place, yeah. one time, where the government doubled the money supply and inflation didn't go up. To to prove my yeah. point, w- where's that example? Nowhere. I mean, is there one? It's nowhere, right? It's nowhere. It's gonna. Be, it's if you do it the right way, my theory will hold. But if you do it the wrong way, my theory won't hold. I mean, that's the that's kind of how socialism keeps emerging. Right? They just didn't do it right. The National Socialists in Germany, they did it wrong. The, the Soviets did it wrong, right, after the Bolshevik Revolution. Right? They just did it wrong. If we do it right, it'll work, right? And I think it's the same thing with modern monetary theory, right? All monetary experiments in the past failed because they just did it wrong, and we're going to do it right. Uh, so I think that has something to do with it, too. And it's political, too, right? Everything's become hyper-political. Did you hear Jared Bernstein about gas prices coming down? He was being grilled about it on Monday because Biden was putting all the blame off onto everybody else when gas prices yeah. were going up. Yeah. When average gas prices come down, what does the politician do that's in power? They're taking credit they, for it. They claim credit for it, right? Yeah, that's what I was listening to this morning on the way in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's political, too. And when things get political, you can't admit you're wrong, and you use every bit of information to support, whether it's negative or bad, negative or positive, you use all that information to um, support your wrong ideas. And Republicans do it, Democrats do it. Well, they, they talk, you know, it's, it, I don't know, you don't seem to be able to make a mistake. You can't tell the truth ever. Well, you can't make a mistake in politics, right? You can't admit that you're wrong. 
right? Well, I, I, at some point, uh, you, you have to in wartime because you have to stop if people are dying because of your policy. You got to go somewhere else. I mean, if well, the price gets high, Afghanistan, for example. I mean, yep. why did they pull them out of that military airport instead of uh, the civilian airport where they could secure the grounds? I mean, and they won't make they won't, these military advisors. They're not going to admit they they did anything wrong, right? They're just going to move past it. Well, they they're going to they may don't want to admit that maybe they recommended something different. And they got overturned. Yeah, that's true. But again, that gets becomes political because now they're political because they're making the current president look good, right? Because they want to keep their jobs. And economists do the same thing, I think, whether they're working for Republican presidents or Democrat presidents. But, that's one reason why these economists on TV can't seem to agree, right? Well, there's some because stuff they're that, defending political positions. But I mean, I don't, I don't see how you can. There, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot of. Uh, I think when you start predicting the economy and so forth, that's where everybody laughs at economists. But if you if you look at some of the basic tenets of behavioral stuff, you can you can't predict the timing, but you sure can predict the outcome. Yeah. Well, right now I'm pretty sure that we're in recession. How can but, we? Not, you know, how can the data that we get is delayed, right? Well, that's what we're after break. I want to get right now. Oh, you can either yeah. be in. So, you know, what, you, what you're missing here, Hale, because you're still not enough of a conspiracy guy. I'm, I'm training you here. Yeah. You're training me, <laughs> you're training me and everything else, but uh, I'm training you. Tom, in my circles, I'm pretty big conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you, you, you tell them who, who your confidant is? <laughs> uh, but, see, you know, right now, you get, you, you get to, de- to, to define a recession on your own. And then it, so when you do that, then you get to say whether you're, we're in one or not, depending on what your political yeah. point of view is. But then you, but you get yeah. to define it on your own. Right now, it's is, is there really even a definition? We'll talk about that after the break. SP futures up twenty four, and Nasdaq futures up eighty one. We're down a little bit from the top here, but still up. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. 
when now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP futures are. I'm here. I'm going through the different lists of uh, recession definitions here. How bizarre is that? Um, uh, anyway, we're, we're going to quiz Professor here in a second. Now, let me get back to our, our regular old page. Um, the S&P futures are up 25. They were up over 30. So we're back a little bit here, but not horrible. Um, S&P futures, NASDAQ futures up 89. We've got the uh, Dow futures up 139. They were up over 200 when we came in. Uh, individual stocks. IBM is almost down 9 now, 873. Other than Procter & Gamble down 31 cents, every other... Stock in the pre-market and the Dow is up, so it's a seal of green except for IBM and Procter and Gamble. Uh, over in Asia, we've got Nikkei up 173.6%, Shanghai up one. Call that flat. Hang Seng down 185.9%. So they're giving up a chunk of what they made yesterday. Hang Seng just cannot seem they're just violently moving between like 20,200 and maybe 21,522. Just cannot break out of there, but it's violent within the range. Uh, yesterday. We were down 215 after being up well over 2. S&P down 32 after being up, I'm going to say, at least 40. NASDAQ down 92, and they were up 100 and something. Uh, during the middle of the day, Tim Cook came out at Apple and said, uh, uh, they're, they're going forward, they don't see as much business, revived recession fears, we turned around, and now we're right back up the other way today. So a little bit interesting. DAX up 13, I was up a little more earlier, but these guys were pretty flat all morning. 0.1%, FTSE up 23.3. Kick around up 1, call that flat. Again, the big story over there is whether, well, the heat being one, the other one is whether or not they're going to turn the gas pipeline uh, back on on Thursday morning when the maintenance is supposedly over. Uh, U.S. 10-year, 3% exactly, plus 4 basis points. Bund up 4 basis points, 1.28. Japan up 2 basis points, 0.25. We've got oil down $1.71, but still hanging over $100. Bucks. $100.89. Brent down $149, $104.78. Natural gas down $0.25, cents, $7.22. Our Bob down three cents at three twenty-three. We've got gold now down two seventy. Was up five bucks earlier, seventeen oh seven. Silver down thirteen cents, eighteen seventy. Copper down five cents, three twenty-eight. Crypto would have good moved to the upside here. 
Actually, it was up a thousand bucks. Now it's only up four sixty-two, but still over twenty-two thousand, twenty-two thousand zero seven three. What do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently seven thirty-five a.m. on July nineteenth. Let's start with sports. Looking at the games from Sunday, we have a win-win-win. Sox beat the Twins 11-0. The Cubs beat the Mets 3-2. And the Diamondbacks beat the Padres 3-1. So epic, epic, epic Sunday. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, beautiful day. Sunny 74 with a high of 90 and a low of 72 in uh, Phoenix. Uh, there is an air quality alert, so be mindful of that. With high humidity currently sitting at 90 degrees, <coughs> excuse me, mostly cloudy, with a high of 112 and a low of 88. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, absolute insanity on the road. So pretty much turn around, but to get into it in detail, we have traffic eastbound on 88 between Midwest Road and the 290 East Ramp. Traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 83 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect with an accident at 25th. And we have traffic westbound on 290 between Holman and 25th. Traffic northbound on 294 all the way from Route 20 to the I-90 ramp with an accident at West Grand Avenue. That accident is causing a lot of congestion between I-88, 290, and 294. So be mindful of that this morning. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and Cumberland. Traffic eastbound 94 between Tui and Canal Port and westbound between the um, between East 130th and West Dempster. We have traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon and southbound between South Damon and Central. Traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. We have traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 18th Street and East Grand. Traffic southbound on Lakeshore between East Grand and East Roosevelt. That traffic will be pretty heavy uh, starting uh, July 28th with road closures. And I think they actually have road closures now setting up for Lollapalooza. That will be effective until August 7th. And that's all I have for you. Back to you, Chief. Well, you can't go from the outbound congress to the kennedy now for four months i know <laughs> how scary is that it's, it's terrible <laughs> unbelievable uh hey Al, um are you with us or did we lose him i think he hung up on us i'm gonna try to call him back all right just just so you know here in this recessions if you want to if you want to do a definition of, of of bs here uh first of all for for a long long period of time in my economic lifetime the, the definition of recession was two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, and it's been like that, like you know, since I was in college. Well, of course, now that's not good enough anymore. But I'll give you the Oxford definition of recession. It's a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Uh, okay, then. So there's the Oxford still kind of hanging on to that two successive quarters deal. Now, if you're an astrometer, astro uh, astronomy person, uh, the it's the action of receding motion away from an observer. Um, Al, are you an astronomer? Uh, I'm uh, actually into uh, cosmology quite a bit. My favorite TV show is How the Universe Works on the Science Network. I've seen every episode like 15 times. Oh, I thought maybe you liked the... Uh, who are, who are the people on uh, Saturday Night Live? Beldar and what was the gang there? They were from outer space. Did you watch the comet passing the Earth yesterday? Oh, the Coneheads? The Coneheads, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I was a big fan of the Coneheads. Well, is, you know, what yeah, Anchorite is classic. You know, we should have. Now, if we just had the, the technology, Eliani, if, we had, mm. if Scotty was with us, why don't we just take all the people we didn't like and beam them on the comet as it went by? Well, Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> 
I, I can think of a few I could beam up there. Just, just saying. Well, now, according to Oxford here, a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. But now, this is the one. This is a little long-winded here, but I guess I'll blow through it. Uh, this is by Investopedia. A recession is a macroeconomic term that refers to a significant decline in general economic activity in a designated region. It had been typically recognized as two consecutive quarters of economic decline, as reflected by GDP in conjunction with monthly indicators such as a rise in unemployment. However, the National Bureau of Economic Research, how do we get on this board? We'd like to be honest, which officially declares yeah. recessions, says the two consecutive quarters of decline in real GDP are not how it's defined anymore. The NBER defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. I don't want these people defining sex for me. Just saying. saying. Well, the the actual committee is called the Business Cycle Dating Committee. Ah. Ah, well... So in other words, it's 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 Focus. whatever they see, <laughs> I, you know. But now, I'm I'm more in the camp of uh, of William Kennedy now. Um, you ever read a uh, a Freedom from Fear? Well, it's it should be on your bucket list. Uh, okay, let me let me look at that. It, it talks all about Freedom the, from the, Fear, the depression and the economy during the depression in World War II, and all the different players. Uh, and what I what I learned from him, and because he talked about the twenties, the Roaring Twenties, it's actually, in my opinion. Very similar to now, to where he says, if you looked at any of the gross numbers, you look like you look like we were kicking ass. He said, but if you looked at, it was all so narrow at the top. If you looked at the, the agricultural, the entire agricultural world was in a uh, at least a recession, and anybody in the South was in a depression. But if you looked at people individually, coal miners, everybody, eighty percent of the place was in a recession, even though. The big numbers of the big, you know, the average numbers were being carried by the people at the top. And I think right now, with the inflation the way it is, I got to believe the number is at least 80% of people that don't have near the buying power they did two years ago. Oh, I I agree with that, yeah. So if if you, if you, like I hear, I'm I'm criticizing people who define a recession to to, uh, form their opinion, I'm doing the same thing. But depending on how you look at it, I don't see how the hell people don't think we're in a recession. I mean, the amount of money. Well, I will say this, Alby. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't want to be the person. I have to have you by my side. You and Russell actually know something about numbers. I don't know how you determine right now. How do you determine what's nominal and what's real with the money slashing around? Yeah, I think that's really hard because if inflation is underreported, then I think we're definitely in a recession if you use general level of output, right? Because I think real GDP is down substantially, and I think. I think GDP has been overvalued for a long time because of all the money that the, the government has pushed, whether it be via the Fed or Treasury having to paper over our deficits. You know, so I think I think it's, I think inflation is way over, way under, way understated, which means real GDP is way overstated. And so, depending on how you measure inflation. Right, you can lie with the data. If if you're understating it, man, I, I you know I think I think we're, we're I think we're in a deep recession, right? So I mean, whatever, when Carl's it's really hard to tell. Well, for really I, I think they have to I think they have to update they have to update the way the CPI is calculated because I don't think the 
percent change in the price level, that right there is a symptom of inflation. Inflation is just pushing too much money out there. Well, I mean, Carl talked on, we, he was on Friday, and the, the retail sales numbers came out, which they came out as a positive 1%, was expecting 0.8, so the market actually rallied on that. And, uh, you know, and yeah. I looked at it, because those numbers are half well, Are those numbers accurate, right? Well, if they're adjusted for inflation, and inflation is understated, then those numbers are actually negative. Well, then Carl dug, dug into some numbers, which, you know, he's the best yeah. at. Uh, and he said that compared to the quarter before, la- I don't know, it was last year or the quarter before, we were in the midst of a discussion, that the, the gasoline was up nominally like $50 billion more even though it probably was the same amount of gallons or maybe even less. So as if you pull that piece out of there, you know, retail sales were squat. They were horrible numbers. Yeah, so yeah. I, but, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's really hard to do, though. I mean, I, it's, why, it's why you don't want to go down this road. I mean, I, I mentioned yesterday that the, the horror of the inflation in the, in the 70s, mainly because I didn't get a raise and everybody else, everybody else was, was how uneven the whole thing was. And one of the ladies here, yeah. in, the, the ladies here in the office... Uh, I mean, Audrey doesn't do very much, but of it. But once in a while, she'll help somebody out with a rental, right? And the deal now, and Nancy was on yesterday talking about this, is that the the formula, and Eliana, you know this because you're a renter. The formula has been kind of forever that your rent should be basically thirty to thirty-five percent, call it a third of your income, hmm. right? I mean, that's that's the formula people use when you go and get a rental or whatever like that. So, in other words, if the rent's fifteen hundred a month. You know, fifteen times twelve is uh, is, is is what it, is is going to be what it's uh, well fifteen hundred plus another six, another uh, fifteen thousand plus another six, so you're twenty one thousand, right? So you should be making yeah. uh, you should be making like fifty five or so to rent that uh, that apartment, which you know a lot of people I think probably can can cut that, right? I mean, that, it's not average salary, but it's I mean, certainly with two income people, you should be able to get there. Well, if all of a sudden the rent goes to twenty five hundred, well, hell, now you're now you're talking about somebody making seventy seventy five hundred a month. Well, now you're up to eighty some thousand. That's a nice raise in a year, you know, to, to be able to, to be able to afford that same apartment. I don't, I don't. I mean, when Nancy was saying she can get people in houses cheaper than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the rents here literally have gone from fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred for the same unit. And I mean, how do, I, mean, I don't I don't see people's. Uh, so that's what is that. Fifty? No, that's what seventy percent. Did the people really get a seventy percent raise in the last year? Who? I don't know anybody who did. Well, I've heard it's even worse in Manhattan. I think the average rent now in Manhattan is like pushing close to five thousand. Yeah. Well, so you got to make. So you got to making fifteen grand a month to afford it. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in Manhattan, I mean, allegedly you don't need a car and those other things, uh, so you, you could cut back on a little bit, but still. I don't see... Uh, I had um, a neighbor, um, their name is Liz, uh, they moved to um, a new neighborhood of Chicago. I'm actually moving myself, I'm moving to Pilsen this fall, um, but they were living across the hall from me, and I lived in this, um, I still live in the studio apartment, it's a really nice studio, um, Jim Sacone is a landlord, and he's not a rent hiker, so if you, anyone looking for apartments wants a reliable landlord, Sacone and Sons, go for it. Um, but I was living in the studio, it was eight ninety a month, it's really actually quite nice, um, you know, great area it's in logan square it was really really nice and when i met them the first time i um they were like i cannot believe how inexpensive it is to live in chicago and i was like i'm like how because like, they're from new york 
and uh, they were living near Manhattan. They're like, yeah, my studio apartment was twenty five hundred a month, and it was like half the size of what we're living in right now. And Yo, they like were they were for real. Well, and, and, and I thought, you're, you're going to be high rent. Yeah, you're going to have a roommate of a rat and a cockroach. No, and it's insane. <laughs> and, and I was because I was I was looking for apartments this fall, and I found this really nice landlady. Her name is uh, Deanna Sandoval. So if you're looking for another good landlord in Chicago that doesn't rent hike and wants people to survive <laughs> and live, um, she's wonderful. I found this uh, one bedroom apartment with an office nook. A uh, washer dryer in unit in Pilsen, three miles from downtown, for twelve hundred. Wow! Wow! Yeah, That's good. Which well, is, I'm, I'm, I'm also really good at apartment hunting. People, I actually do pride myself on that. My friends always come to me when they're apartment hunting because they can never find. There's places. your opportunity to innovate. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and so there's, there are people who do still want people to survive and live well, and you know, Chicago, yeah. Chicago compared to New York, there's really no comparison. You can, you can, you can well, live if here. You, if you think, yeah, if you think about it, if you think about it, if you're because mm-hmm. I like to rent, and I had a really good tenant yeah. for about two years. She always paid on time. I didn't bump her up, rent up at all, because I like the fact that she paid on time. And if I don't rent that space, no big deal. But if I rent it, then my kids and I can go to the movies, you know, a couple times a month, right? Yeah. So I liked having her in my uh, my my townhouse condo. The first level was a studio apartment that I built. It was an extra six hundred dollars a month. I'm not going to raise your rent because I don't want her to move out, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, anyway, so would the song apply to you? I can, see why, I can see why a yeah. landlord would do that. Yeah, no, I mean, I've always had really good relationships with my landlords, you know. Um, so, and, and for me, it's always been easy to rent because, I mean, I don't have a criminal record. I have great credit. I'm a wonderful yeah. tenant. I clean up the apartment really well. If I put holes in the wall, I cover yeah. them. I paint it over. I'll ask for paint from the landlord or the maintenance team, so I'll fix it myself. Like I'm a I'm a great I'm a wonderful tenant. I don't have uh, neighbors complaining that I'm too loud. Um, yeah. So people do want to rent to me. So it's a lot. It's a quite a bit easier for me. So and I've also been employed at um, JOS Ketchatory and Co for four or five years now. So I have consistent income and actually just got a raise there not too long ago. Um, so no, like it, it 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 can be found. I think a lot of it depends on the individual and also you you do. I mean. Hunting for it is really, really important, but like right now, like say I open up my hot pads right now, I have on my hot pads, which is a, an apartment hunting app, that, um, what are my filters? My filters are, I need a one to two bedroom, I need one bath and washer dryer in unit, and my rent cap was 1300 and I have, how many can I find here? There are 276 apartments in Chicago oh. that, and, and with that, this is within a, an eight mile radius of apartments that you can find for a reasonable rate and so it's as much as a lot of places are hiking especially places like in lincoln park i think a lot of places are realizing that by gentrifying and by over raising rates they're not allowing people who do actually have a pretty average income and who do have a really good background to not be able to rent i think a lot of places are kind of figuring that out so although a lot of areas are not following suit and they're losing tenants um, especially with places like uh, what's uh, oh my god M Fishman, probably one of the worst places to rent from. Um, I had a girlfriend Natalie who was living just outside of Humboldt, and she was living in this horrible studio apartment, and she was paying a thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, you're living in a shithole though, and it just it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. And I used to rent from M Fishman. It was the first apartment I moved to. It was just off of California Diversity and Kimball. And it was a studio at the time was 875. When I went to look again 
after I had left there, because I moved to Garfield Park pre- uh, for a little bit because I had a roommate. Uh, we were living in this two bedroom and she's a flight attendant. She was relocated. So I had to find a new place to live. And I was like, you know, I should probably just go back to the studio. It actually wasn't too bad because the rent was super cheap. A year later was eleven twenty-five. Wow. Wow. For the studios, like, it's been, I mean, there's studios in her studios. I mean, in the building I used to live in. Studio, it's a box. Well, the studio had a full <laughs> had a full kitchen and a balcony. I mean, everything. So it was, you know, it was it was nice. Yeah, that's that's a nice studio then. Yeah, that is nice. And some places like, especially like yeah. Lincoln Park and like Old Town and uh, Lincoln Square, they have really nice things like that too. But it just doesn't make sense to me how you can go from eight seventy five to eleven twenty five in one year, and they haven't really made any amendments besides maybe painting the hallways and adding a new carpet. You yeah. know, so well, like when landlords are seeking rents and they're only worried about the rent and they're constantly jacking up the rent. I think what ends up happening is they'll learn that over time that they're going to have high turnover rates, they're going to have oh, yeah. higher maintenance costs. If you've got a good tenant with a good income who's reliable, oh. I think landlords are willing Without to, a doubt. Without a doubt. to take a lower rent to keep that person in there for a couple of years to lower all their maintenance costs. Yeah, I mean, I was in my studio for three years it would have been four years if i had stayed but i need a little bit more space and i want to be closer to downtown and closer to my work and closer to this podcast because yeah. it's i have to get up at 4 30 in the morning then i can cut my driving time in half so why not but um, meet tom at that dunkin donuts yeah. right outside the office right well she, she can actually <laughs> stop for coffee on, on the way in then yeah <laughs> hey uh I, I would i would agree with you guys there's a lot there's a lot to that uh speaking of studios though back when the, when the city when it, when people first started living away from home like as singles before the uh, the the Kennedy uh, Rapid Transit line was even in, so all the the stewardesses lived around. Remember the movie the movie about last night? But it's very accurate in the sense that everybody lived right around Clark and Division. It was like the only like safe place where. Well, one of the buildings, One East Scott. Um, oh, yeah, can't appreciate this, but but you probably can, Hal. The the thing because they had the bus there from the left of the ambassador east went right to O'Hare, mm. so every stewardess in the world back when they were still stewardesses and not flight attendants lived in that area in that building, so every studio was basically a stewardesses hot bunking because they they were on the road the whole time they they would share a studio, and uh, let's just say how when you were younger you'd have been right there with me trying to get a, a seat at the pool in the morning on the rooftop of that building it was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of makes your. It reminds you of that movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Catch me if you can. Yeah, it was like you know. You know <laughs> oh, that movie's nothing, great. Nothing wrong with just looking. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I would have been lying about. I would have gotten a, a captain's uh, suit and uh, rented a studio in that apartment in my youth. <laughs> without, without, without a doubt, <laughs> just, for the, just for the dating opportunity. But all you'd see is oh people God. running out the door with their luggage, getting on the bus, going to the airport. I mean, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, hey, what I mean, the dangers here. I mean, obviously. Depending on who you are, the, nobody wants to say we're in a recession. Nobody. Some people said we are, we aren't. But the fact is, it's an economic tough time for a real lot of people, and getting yeah getting tougher. And if we have ever talked about, but the thing I, I really don't want to see happen is the same thing Volcker did, is to overstate it either. Either, I mean, I. But this is so. And my, the question I want to get to here, Hal, is we've had. I don't think the inflation has been counted properly. I mean, it's way worse than, than the numbers tell you. But if you and I were in charge of, quote, fixing it, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't just do what I think Volcker should have done. Let's just go to a 1% growth in the money supply, one and a half or something, which is where the growth maybe is or hope that will be, and just do that for a while and, and sort of let things catch up. 
But I don't know that that's the solution. I mean, other people on the show have said, you can't do that. You've got to actually bring these prices back down. I'm worried, Hal, is that, as everybody knows, I'm very concerned that when prices go up, it's very uneven. I think if we try and take them down the other way, I think we're going to screw up just as bad on the way down as we did on the way up. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that you can orchestrate that. Can you? Do you? Yeah. You know, I, when I teach micro and macroeconomics, I try to keep things at a metaphorical level. And I think the, the solutions, and nobody's talking about this that I can see of in the administration or amongst the politicians that we elect, I think he's you got to throw the acorn in the backyard and let the acorn turn into a massive tree. Right now what we have is we have this Keynesianism going on where they put the acorn in a potted plant. They give it perfect soil. They give it perfect water amounts. They put it in the sunlight 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How big can that tree get with the restraints that it has with that, that pot? It can only get as big as its root system, right? And so what I'm trying to say is we have to return to federalism. The federal government's got to stop using its ability to bribe the states to do what it wants the states to do. It's got to create 50 laboratories of innovation and choice. Let California be California. Let New York be New York. Let Idaho be Idaho. Quit having the Republicans dictate what California should be. and Quit having the Democrats in California dictate what the Republicans in Idaho should be. And just restore federalism. You have to scale back this bureaucracy, this federal bureaucracy, because it is the pot that's preventing our economy's roots from expanding. I would agree with and so you. And so you have to unleash, you have to unleash, and the, that, so those supply-side forces are going to bring down prices. I, I don't want the Fed to restrict the money supply and cause, an, uh, cause uh, deflation and high unemployment. I want the, the federal government to just stop I just wanted to stop and unleash the entrepreneur in each one of us, and that—that's the supply side effects will pull these prices down and make our lives much better. So I think that I think the federal government's just got to let us be us, let us be who we are, let us follow our passions, and we'll figure it out. But they're not going to do that. They're going to want to control our lives. I think uh, there's one one issue with that, Hal. And by the way, you know, on a theoretical level. You have no bigger agreer, agreer than me. I just, yeah. I just wonder when people say, uh, especially the people from the right, uh, they say, "Well, we can't be, we can't be socialists. We can't be this. We don't want AOC, although we think she's hot. Uh, we, we don't want her talking. We don't want these people talking because all they want to do is be socialist." And I, I, uh, I try and look and see not what they're saying because I don't agree with it, but uh, I look and see what they're seeing. And right now, I don't know exactly. I don't even know how to define this economy. I don't. I don't think that the that the government has created this mess where there's three or four massive industries. Uh, take the baby formula thing. There's four companies, and there and the government has made it so there's only four companies. For God's sake, it's a cartel. I don't know what the government. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, at this point, there's got to be how many industries like that? Fifty. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't see how the. The government right now can just take a, a laissez-faire approach. They got to fix it first. But but the regulations, the restrictions on trade, all that stuff is a reason why. Right. There are these cartels. I'm saying, but all that has to be reversed before we take our hands off. Yeah. I'm saying you can't yeah. just say, okay, just leave it the way it is because the way it is sucks. 
yeah. mean, there's, there's no competition in any of these areas. And I don't know. They go. I don't. I guess I, if if we just started fresh, we would be competitive. I agree with you, but we're not fresh. I, I don't know that yeah. if you just if you just let Microsoft do what they want to do, they just won't keep taking over the next person, the next person, the next person, and be the only company left. I mean, I, you got to stop that before you. I mean, I mean, how what what percentage of population? Well, I think that's where we disagree. I think government regulations and restrictions create barriers to entry, and that yeah. allows Microsoft and Amazon and Google to have. And Google's kind of cronied up to politicians on oh, both sides of the aisle, right? Oh yeah. So it's these government institutions that create these entrance barriers where the competitors, the small, the new guys can't get a foothold in that market, right? right. It's like the public school system. Well, we gotta, right, right now, my kid, I have to pay tuition to the public school my kids don't go to and the tuition that my son yes. goes to, the private school that he goes to. Eliani, I'm paying tuition Eliani, on both sides. Eliani, take a note. Let's start off with this next week because there's a, there's a, I'm not, a, we're, we're 100% in agreement on where we want to get. I just think that, right. the, I, don't, I don't know that we can, we, 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 there's work to do to get there, I guess is what I'm saying. I, and I don't see how we're going to do that work. Hey, mm-hmm. I'll take care of yourself, buddy. Let's talk about that next right. week, because that's a big issue. How do you get there? Yep. And uh, well, S&P futures are up 36 now, the high that I've seen. As the futures up 115, we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll be up today. We couldn't do it yesterday. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.